MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The numbers told the story they always do. This is a numbers game with Gil Alexander on VSIN. It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. It is a numbers game here on VSIN. Happy to be with you on a Wednesday morning. I'm Jeff Parles. We have a great show lined up for you. Adam Kramer will be with us momentarily. Basketball behind the counter. Front officing, plenty to do. Schiffer, Weingarten, Colucci, Lombardi. Big time show for you here today on a numbers game. But let's dive right in. Adam Kramer's with us right now. Of course, uh, our VEASAN college football analyst. You also find his work at Bleacher Report as well. Adam, uh, let's just dive right in. Uh, we'll work our way backwards and, and get to the current day. New Year's Eve, as we were talking before the show, a uh, little bit of a letdown with Alabama handling Cincinnati and then Georgia just blowing the doors off of Michigan. Yeah, and I can't say now with the benefit of hindsight, like we're all too shocked by those games. I mean, especially Alabama. That was like vintage Alabama, meat grinder, boa constrictor, pre-lane Kiffin Alabama with defense in the running game. And then obviously I think the Georgia takeaway from that, if you watch the first like 90 seconds of the game and just looked the difference in athlete was striking between those two. That was maybe a little surprising for me. Um, so I think in general, though, from thematically, like this has become the norm for the college football playoff. And the biggest takeaways, at least from those two games, is another year with non-competitive games. And over, what, 75 80% of these games have not been competitive. So, um, yeah, they got to find a way to fix it. And whether it's more games or uh, Nick Saban retiring is probably the best answer, I guess, which is, uh, he, he doesn't look like he's ready to do that. But these were a series of non-competitive games, and yet I think the greatest takeaway from that game is Georgia, despite the lapse in the SEC title game, and it certainly sets up some fascinating conversations moving forward, looks every bit like the best team in college football once again. Well, Adam, you bring up a good point. There isn't a quick fix here if you want more competitive games. If you add, let's say they go to 8 or 12 like they were rumored this offseason – you're still going to get the same championship game with probably the same amount of non-competitive games down the road. And like you said, Nick Saban retiring is probably the best thing, but you got to imagine Saban's going to be doing this until he, he, he's six feet under at this rate. Yeah, he, he's very he, he's very comfortable, and as long as he's healthy, and I've talked to him about that, um, and he's mentioned it publicly, I think he's going to do that. Now, the interesting thing about this, right, the NFL playoffs, which we're getting ready for, there's a lot of bad NFL playoff games. Like, there are but there's more of them. 
So, so there's a chance that there's going to be a good one. This is not a very deep analytical dive that more is better, but you and I are also talking off air about how good New Year's Day was. And those matchups, mm-hmm. those games are the kind of first-round games you'd get between you know, a 5-12, right, or, or whatever the, the kind of games are going to be, a 7-8, or you know, if we go to 12 teams or, or 16 teams, depending on how the buys are going to look, those are the kind of games with teams that are hovering around the top four that we would get. And those games, even Iowa-Kentucky, which would not be a, a playoff game, I hope. Goodness gracious, my Iowa Hawkeye. <laughs> like, but even that was compelling, right? Like, that was more compelling than the, the semifinal games. So it, it, it more isn't always more, but in this instance, I, I do think a shakeup, like, those games were awesome, and you don't need to attach any further stakes upon them to enjoy them. And yet they were they were great, and they kind of saved the weekend, honestly, for college football, especially the Rose Bowl, which was awesome. Oh, the Rose Bowl was phenomenal. Uh, you mentioned the Kentucky-Iowa Bowl game was uh, was phenomenal, too, even though I know you, were, you probably weren't too happy with the ending there, Adam. But uh, <laughs> j- j- just looking at this as a whole now for the bowl season, because this was – this was the most complex bowl season we've ever had, not counting last year because there were more cancellations, even though we still had our fair share. But, Adam, at least from a betting perspective, bowl season-wise, you either got to get way out in front of the number and hope you're right on the opt-outs, or you're basically waiting to the last second and going against the steam, as we saw work in a few bowl games. The biggest example of that, the Music City Bowl, where Purdue, despite basically having Aiden O'Connell and next to nothing on paper ended up beating Tennessee in that one. It's really difficult. Look at last night's game, for mm-hmm. example, right? You have a wide receiver playing quarterback for LSU and you had a line that jumped, what, 10, 10 point, seven points. Yep. And, and certainly during the, as you started to understand, Hey, LSU is 39 points. And then, you know what, that game exactly went exactly how it should. That game went exactly how it should, and yet when I, you know, you open it up and you're like, man, it's up to 10 points now, you feel like you missed the best number. It didn't matter, right? So in general, when it comes to COVID, right, it will figure out what that lingering impact will be on these games in the future, hopefully minimal. Um, but the transfer portal, the, the, the coaching carousel, there's a lot of things that need to change. And, and, and I think you can look at this, honestly, the early signing period for college football is the crux for a lot of this. You have players signing now the week before Christmas, and it's facilitated a lot of movement both on the coaching side and the transfer portal side. You're going to still have people declaring early for the draft. That's not going to change. But the variables in college football with the one-time free transfer rule, I think it's going to make gambling on all of this stuff very, very difficult. And frankly, I think it's going to expedite an expansion of the playoff. We're heading that way this offseason. The movement of Oklahoma and Texas to the SEC kind of put a halt to this. I think after the ratings, which came out yesterday, you're going to see another real big time expedited move to go to 12 or 16 teams. I look at them. I'm hopeful. The 12 team format seems great to me because also too, me too. One, one other thing with that is, as we talked about in the past, putting the first, those five, 12, six, 11, seven, 10, eight, nine games on campus, which would probably be the move would, would really be spectacular for the sport as a whole. And uh, look, uh, you're, you're right on the transfer portal thing that that really is even more so than the COVID absences. Of course, we point to COVID absences with some teams, but part of the reason a lot of these teams weren't able to play because of COVID ab- absences were players leaving early. Yep. Yeah. Oh, and, and look, when you have now, and not only that, but you have the NIL, you have the name, image, and likeness, which are going to facilitate a lot of these transfers. Caleb Williams, who, you know, at Oklahoma played great, played, went to go play under Lincoln Riley and played great in the bowl game under, you know, a, a new staff and 
with a defensive-minded philosophy coming in, he's decided that he's going to look around. And it's not just because he, he – I know the family has come out and said we're going to do what's best for him and his NFL future. I, sure, I, I believe that. But he has an opportunity to, to clear nine figures, <laughs> depending on where he goes. And even in Oklahoma's statement saying, hey, you know, we're trying to put together a competitive NIL package for him, that's a wild statement to release. Think of how far this sport has come in about eight months when it comes to that stuff. So you are going to have free agency – in the sport, especially when it comes to quarterbacks. Now, if you can latch up with Lincoln Riley at USC and stay in there and Jackson Dart's going to do that next year, who knows? Maybe Caleb Williams will join him. That's one thing. But I do think, especially with QBs, there is an opportunity to make serious wealth right now, and you're going to see more young, really talented players probably tap into that earlier than ever. Well, and Adam, uh, you bring up Caleb Williams, and let's go there because – if you're looking to figure out what the bet futures wise, if you want to get out in front of it when those lines pop, uh, some they popped in some places already, and when they pop on a Tuesday morning after the championship game is decided, Oklahoma is one that's going to be hard to was already hard to figure out with the new coaching staff with Venables there, but now Caleb Williams, like you said, in the transfer portal, and then less than five hours later, Oklahoma. Uh, is able to snag Dylan Gabriel away from Central Florida and UCLA. And now Caleb Williams is probably looking at going somewhere else. It's just this whole thing with the transfer portal makes it really difficult to handicap long-term here, except for the big boys like Alabama and Georgia, who you know are going to be good every year. Absolutely. What about Caleb Williams going to Georgia? Like that's the, that's the oh, buzz yeah. that I've heard <laughs> the last couple of days. So, so, but, but in all seriousness, because this is it, like, you know, we know that USC is a really good young quarterback, but how many teams would take their quarterback situation other than what um, Alabama and Ohio State, right? Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. What other teams out there are going to look at their quarterback situation if Caleb Williams is there and say, we're not ready to upgrade? There is a possibility that J.T. Daniels, Stetson Bennett, who are pretty good, right? Bennett's been, was great uh, last game and, Struggled against Bama, but good overall. There's a possibility that Georgia could say, hey, you know what? We're going we're gonna to go after the, the missing link to what has been like our dynasty all along. And so from a future standpoint, you're right, because that commitment from him to a school, whether it's LSU, whether it's Georgia or North Carolina, whatever it is, is going to change the odds drastically. He can have that big of an impact. I'm fascinated to see. We always do these power rankings, right, way too early, top 25, it's hard to do this year. I've done those before, <laughs> like after the season ends. It's really tough with all the movement we have. No, absolutely, Adam. And, of course, Adam Kramer's with us right now, a beasting contributor here, and uh, with Bleacher, Bleacher Report as well uh, on the tweets, at Kegs and Eggs. And, and, and Adam, it just, it just is going to be a fascinating offseason, and I, we're going to be saying that every single year moving forward. Adam, I'm going to want to keep you for one more segment because I want to dive sure. a little further into the Georgia-Alabama game. But uh, – uh, I, I know you are planning on being there in Indianapolis next week. Uh, I, just the stage in Indiana, I know there have been some complaints. That's a pretty darn good city to be hosting this thing despite the weather. Yeah, look, well, I'm a Midwest guy, right? So I, I, I'm the weather's going to be better. Like, it's 40-mile-an-hour winds here outside Chicago and, like, 5 degrees today. It's going to be 30 <laughs> in Indy. I, I'm going to bring my, my Speedo. So, no, but it's, you know, I've done the Combine I've done Big Ten champ. I've done a lot. I've done NFL games. Lucas Oil is a great venue, and Indy, Indy knows how to have a good time, right? I went to the Super Bowl in Indy just for fun, just to kind of hang out. So, but you will read it if you follow college football reporters. Um, 
it is going to be cold. It is, it is going to be a different environment because normally it's New Orleans, it's Miami, and it's everything else. So there's going to be a lot of complaints about the weather, even though you could basically stay inside for four days if you so choose. I'm excited about it. First and foremost, it's a drive for me. It's easier enough. And I've, I've, I've got good memories from the city. It's also a great stadium, great venue to watch yes. a game if you've ever been there. Lucas Oil is really, really excellent at what they do. So, no, I'm, I'm thrilled. A lot of people are not going to be thrilled, but for me, this is perfect. It's going to be fun next Monday. Uh, of course, Alabama and Georgia National Championship game in Indianapolis, Indiana. A- Adam, hold on for one more segment. Sure. We're going to get a, we're going to get the full breakdown of this National Championship game. Of course, right now, Georgia laying three at most spots against the Crimson Tide, the rematch of last month's SEC Championship game for the whole ball wax. That's next on a numbers game here on VCN, the Sports Betting Network. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's football season, and it's time to download the BetMGM Sports app. It's Nevada's premier sports betting app, and BetMGM has all your favorite wagering options, including in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and much more. Download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the Strip with your state-issued ID to open an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in the state of Nevada. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older. And physically located in the state of Nevada, please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700.
It is a numbers game. I'm Jeff Barles in for Gil Alexander this week. Adam Kramer, kind enough to stick around for a second segment as we are going to dive into the national title game on Monday night in Indy. Adam, of course, we saw this matchup in Atlanta last month. It was Georgia's only stinker of the year. Alabama took full advantage of Georgia's secondary in route to a blowout SEC championship game victory. Alabama looks a little bit different on offense without Mechie this go around, and it all amounts to Georgia being a three-point favorite and a total of 52. Yeah, so look, we have a rematch. So naturally, I think we're going to look back to a game that wasn't terribly long ago and really look at the, the, the huge key parts of that, and that, of course, is Bryce Young. Bryce Young, 400 yards plus of total offense. I thought he was great with his legs, won a Heisman, torched. You mentioned the secondary. That is true. Torched the secondary, which was the concerning point of that defense. But also, I thought it just his ability to elude pressure um, was excellent. The ability to extend plays, everything he did was superb. I, I got to put it out there as a disclaimer. You know this. We've done this show since before the season began. Like, I'm I'm good with Georgia futures here, right? Like I I like my Georgia futures are if Georgia wins, that's good for me. It's sort of my prediction. So in some ways, I have to separate myself from the preseason pick in this bias. And yet I look at this game every which way, and I know Bryce Young was exceptional. The loss of Mechie, as you mentioned, was huge because when he left that game, the Alabama passing offense wasn't the same. Granted, it didn't really have to be the same. It was 38 points scored in that second quarter, and Alabama really was in a position to kind of wind down the clock. Brian Robinson was not healthy in that game. He looked great against Cincinnati, but I think the takeaways from that Cincinnati game was the Bearcats finally made Bryce Young look uncomfortable. They couldn't tackle. Right? They couldn't stop Brian Robinson. That was not something they did. They, they did well, and that was the deciding factor. But can Alabama get that kind of running game against Georgia? I, don't, I just don't think it can. So I think there's a lot of unique elements to this thing. But as I look at Georgia's offense, I look at the tight end in Bowers, who's one of the most exciting young tight ends. You talk to NFL people, they're like already excited about this kid. I look at the performance of James Cook, the running back, who was out, you know, catching deep balls, perfectly thrown deep balls from Bennett. I think the key part of this is really the quarterbacks. Bryce Young, I think, has to play like Superman, which he has done and can do. And Bennett has to play better and can't turn the ball over the way he did the last time he played because it was such, such a huge impact on that game, the two turnovers, even though he threw for over 300 yards. So I come back to Georgia on this. I really do. I wonder how much they showed in that first game. They were in the playoffs. Yes, they'd like to have eliminated Bama. I'm not saying they just came out and, you know, like threw up an egg on purpose. They'd love to have bounced Bama from the playoffs, but I do wonder how much they showed. And I also think the last four weeks, seeing just how bad their undoing was on film over and over probably was helpful for them. Well, it definitely helped in the Michigan game, even though, I, I, as you correctly pointed out, Adam, the the difference of athlete between Georgia and Michigan, uh, it, it, it was pretty apparent if you had a Michigan bet about 90 seconds in, it's like, oh, this is not going to go well for our wallets here. But uh, but for, for, for this one, though, Adam, the, the one big thing, uh, that you mentioned, of course, with Alabama against Cincinnati is Cincinnati's front did pretty darn well in their pass rush. And that's one thing Georgia really didn't attempt to do in that SEC championship game. That, to me, is the biggest change that I would imagine seeing in Georgia's defensive game plan here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Bryce Young didn't was pretty mortal, like, by, by his standards. Now, he had a deep ball, but... You know, you could see the focus was on, you know, stopping Williams at wide receiver. 
And I think as a product of that, like the, the offensive line, which has done a 180 for Alabama. I mean, since, since that Auburn game, it's amazing what they've done. But pass, pass blocking has been pretty good. Or run blocking, excuse me, has been very good. Pass blocking, not so much. I think if you're Georgia, you do this. You're going you're gonna to double up Williams, and you're going you're gonna to stack the box, and you're going to say we need to have people outside uh, of Williams to beat us at wide receiver because I still think that's a question. Now, granted, Alabama's depth chart is still loaded with four- and five-star players. We saw for Ohio State, they had two opt-outs. It didn't matter. You got, you, know, you got guys running wild all over the place. So these are Alabama-like problems, and yet I, I did think that the intensity and everything just seemed ratcheted up against Michigan. Like, the, the, the concern I have for backing Georgia, though, and, and it was the concern I think we talked about in the SEC championship game, is the sideline, the coach. I, you know, fading Nick Saban in this type of game does not feel particularly good. Right. Like it doesn't, especially Kirby Smart, who, you know, has recruited exceptionally well, has done a really good job. But in these moments has faltered. I think Georgia has more talent, which is not I think it's the first time I've said it. I said it for the SEC championship game. There's more talent on that sideline than there is on Alabama's, which is crazy. Can it actually come through and break through? I think it depends on the coaching. And I think, again, that's Bennett making enough plays not making the kind of mistakes we saw in the first game. That's going to be huge. So, Adam, uh, what, what I take is you've been on Georgia all year, as we know. Yes. You're, you, if you didn't have those Georgia futures, you'd probably be looking to lay to three with the Bulldogs here. Yes, absolutely. At, at 100%. Like, it's a game, and you just – that I, I have to try to distance myself from that, right? Because I liked Michigan. We talked about it. I mm-hmm. thought Michigan was going to play tough. I thought I thought Georgia was going to win. I thought Michigan was going to play tough. I knew that bet was dead when you did. <laughs> it was a celebratory <laughs> ticket ripping within about five minutes. So I've been able to kind of remove myself from it. I, I just think Georgia is overwhelming. And when you look back to the SEC championship and look at that game, and I watched it again. I've watched it a couple of times. You, Bryce Young did superhuman things in that game, superhuman. And if he could do it again, Alabama can, can do it. But even for a player as good as Bryce Young, I think it's a lot to ask against a, a group of, of Georgia defenders, which are basically all going to get drafted. There, and, and, and also, real quick on this game, not to rant, we can complain about a rematch. We can complain about the semifinals being bad. These are the two best teams in college football. I think it's pretty clear to me right now. I don't think there's any debating that. And I think it's a game where you're going to have dozens of NFL players emerging from this. So I am excited. I don't know how it will rain. I don't know what the, you know, I don't know how many people are going to watch this. I know there's some fatigue for Bama. I know there's SEC fatigue for me, who just likes great players doing great things and star power. This is a very exciting game and the result could be absolutely compelling as well. Adam of the, uh, because you bring up the star power in this game. And of course, everyone will point to Alabama's great offensive players, Georgia's great defensive players. In the non-quarterback division here, who's the one player on each side that you think could impact the game in, in a way that flips the result here, potentially? Well, Will Anderson is is probably the best player in college football, mm-hmm. right? I mean, the guy, it looks like there's four of him on the field, like at all times, for Alabama. And again, Cincinnati, I, like, if you're Cincinnati, you don't, you're not equipped to deal with something like that. You don't have linemen the size that Georgia has. And, and he's going to be great once again. Because I, I think that's that's what he does, right? So from a, I think ultimately, while you have a total in the fifties, that's a t- total I've struggled with here. How to play this? I think Will Anderson is the best football player 
on the field. I think he's the best college football player. I think he should have been, obviously, a finalist for the Heisman. I think the other guy, and if, you're, if you like the draft stuff and we transition to the draft, I thought N'Kobe Dean played one of the best games that we've seen a linebacker play for Georgia against Michigan. My goodness. That guy was everywhere. We've talked about Jordan Davis up front. I think, obviously, a 360-pound man you know, disrupting an offensive line is going to be crucial. But I think Nicobe Dean is, is the guy to watch. And if you've got a pick in, you know, between number five and number 11, if you root for an NFL team, look out for the linebacker. And, and against Michigan, he was impossible to miss. So, and then I, I think, ultimately, the, the thing about this that we talked about, it, it's a matter of you know, who on this defense is going to star because there are young, really gifted players all over the field. But those are the two guys I'm going to be watching. And those are the two guys, obviously, we got another year of, of Anderson, thankfully. Dean has a chance to really do some, make some money, and I think he already has with a big game here. He's Adam Kramer. Get him on the tweets at Kegs and Eggs. Of course, Vston contributor here. Bleacher Report is where you can find his work. And Adam Kramer likes the Bulldogs to win it all on Monday night. Adam, it's always a pleasure to catch up with you. Uh, we'll do it again soon. Thanks for being with us this morning. Appreciate it, man. Take care. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon, Adam. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm in the same camp as Adam. We'll, 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 I'll give out my final thoughts on Friday and, of course, Monday when Gil is back as well, when I'm back in the producer number five and eight chair. But this really does scream that that was more, I don't want to call it an aberration in Atlanta, but Georgia did not show their cards in that one. And in the end, what they showed in that game, I think, duped a lot of people, including me, into thinking the Michigan Wolverines had a chance to play with them. And boy, were we wrong in that one. Uh, to the dismay of uh, Wyatt Tomchak, our producer, uh, these last two days. Coming up next, NFL power rankings. They're looking a little different this week. Same top three. A little bit of a change as we go along. The power rankings in the NFL for me coming up next on a numbers game here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. A numbers game with Gil Alexander on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. VSIN has a great offer to help you make the best of this betting year. Our all-new Big Game, Big Dance special provides VEASAN Plus all access to everything we do from now through April 5th for only $69. Sign up now and get our daily best bet emails, 24-7 video access, the upcoming Big Game and College Hoops betting guides, plus full access to VEASAN.com with our exclusive betting split breakdowns on every game. It's one of the most exciting betting seasons of the year. So don't miss out on one of our best deals of the year. Visit vcin.com slash big deal to sign up today. It is a numbers game here on vcin. I'm Jeff Parles in for Gil Alexander this week. But we're going to keep a segment Gil and I do every week right here. We're going to our NFL power rankings. I considered doing this a little bit differently this week, but we're going to stick with the original format. But I'll bring up my thoughts on how the, two, the eight teams that are realistically alive in each conference shake out as well. But let's go right to it. The top 10 in the NFL power rankings for me. And we'll just start off. Green Bay hasn't moved now in a month. The Packers clinched the number one seed in the NFC with their beatdown victory over Minnesota on Sunday night. Too bad for Sean Mannion and the company. But the Packers now 
13 wins now for three consecutive seasons, the one seed for back-to-back seasons. They have, uh, since the Jordan Love game, they've only lost once that shootout the week before Thanksgiving against Minnesota. Since then, they've racked off five in a row. The one thing with Green Bay, and I touched on this a little bit yesterday, even though they have to be ranked number one based off of everything we've seen, especially the last few weeks, there still seems to be something missing with the Packers that I can't quite pinpoint. I don't know if it's that I don't fully trust LaFleur, even though the way the team has performed in his three years, there seems to be little reason to trust him. Uh, is it defensive issues that have popped up? The special teams got better this past week after having three horrible weeks in a row, including special teams plays that nearly cost them the Baltimore game in the end two weeks ago. But Green Bay at number one, just on the virtue that they have to be, and they are the rightful Super Bowl favorites with the entire NFC playoffs going through Lambeau Field. Tampa Bay in at number two. Now, Tampa, this is more of, we're going to bet against Tom Brady, except if they're playing at Lambeau, even though they went into Lambeau last year with, before the injuries, a worse version of the team that they had this year and ended up winning that game. In the end for Tampa, just a question of how can they sustain with all the injuries that we that they've had. We've talked about it the last few weeks. Of course, Godwin's going to miss the rest of the season with the ACL tear. Fournette, they hope to have back with the hamstring uh, he is act, he is able to come off IR after this week for the wild the super wild card weekend round. Of course, the questions looming with Antonio Brown, who Bruce Arians after the game said he's no longer a member of the team, and yet the last two days on the transaction report there have been no transaction for Antonio Brown and the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So a lot of questions with the Bucks, but properly at number two for me, Kansas City at number three. If Kansas City had won at Cincinnati, they would have actually vaulted ahead of Tampa Bay for me. The one big thing is now that we're close to the playoffs and we have a good perspective of what that playoff picture is going to look like, you can really start ranking these based off of what their chances of making the Super Bowl are and how you expect them to perform in the postseason. Kansas City is the number one seed, should be almost laying a price in the AFC at this rate. But because they have the number two seed and the Titans are a double-digit favorite against Houston this week, Kansas City comes back a little bit to me and stays at number three, especially since that first-round matchup now. If chalk prevails this weekend, the Los Angeles Chargers would be the matchup, a team that, quite frankly, should have beaten Kansas City both times this year. The fourth-down variance not on their end, in that Thursday night game a few weeks ago, I know in week three, Kansas City turned it over four or five, or excuse me, turned it over five times in that game. You're not going to win many games when you turn it over five times. So Kansas City at number three, if they had won last week, they would have been number two for me. Tennessee vaults up five slots to number four. This is purely on the virtue of they are more than likely getting the number one seed in the AFC. Derrick Henry seems to be trending the right direction. They get the extra week off, so an extra week for Derrick Henry to get right. You would imagine that they'll have a good chance of having him for the AFC Divisional round. And even if Henry is not 100%, just him being there gives Tennessee such a different dynamic because of what he brings to the table, as we know. As crazy as it is, Derrick Henry hasn't played in six weeks. Derrick Henry is still sixth in the NFL in rushing. 
If he didn't get hurt, Derrick Henry would have had a legitimate claim to potentially stealing the MVP award as well. So Tennessee moves to four because as a number one seed with the way they play, boy, they could be, they'll be a very difficult out, especially with the game, the games for them being in Nashville. Indianapolis with the loss falls to number five. I, I know they lose. I know they technically have to be Jacksonville to get in the playoffs. If they get in, they're a tough out. The biggest issue for them, Carson Wentz, as we've discussed many times on this program. And the other reason, on top of the home field advantage, Tennessee moves ahead of Indy, who was four last week on my list. Ryan Tannehill, even though he's still not the best quarterback by any stretch, must much more trustworthy than what Carson Wentz brings to the table. Now the back end is where we had changes. Cincinnati moves up to number six. The big concern for Cincinnati, for me, even though they're clinched the, A- the AFC North, if they beat Cleveland this weekend, they're at worst getting the three seed if some real craziness happens around them where Tennessee and Kansas City both lose as double-digit favorites on the road. Cincinnati would actually vault all the way to number one. But more than likely, Cincinnati would be the number three in the AFC. The one concern that I have is if Chalk prevails since he will draw Indy, which is not the best matchup for Cincinnati. Cincinnati has struggled against teams that have been able to ground and pound against them. So that's why Cincinnati isn't higher on this list than number six. Dallas at number seven. Just when you think Dallas finally turns the corner again, they put up a stinker like they did on Sunday. The defense didn't get off the field when they needed to early in the game against Arizona. Dak had his problems until late. And, of course, the Mike McCarthy tax still there. The other big issue for them is they're more than likely going to be the four seed at this point, which means they're either going to draw the L.A. Rams if they lose to San Francisco and Arizona beats Seattle over the weekend, or Chalk prevails and Arizona would be the opponent who Kyler Murray has had Dallas's number through his early career, and they just beat them this past Sunday. So Dallas at number seven. The Rams fall to number eight despite winning in Baltimore. Matthew Stafford is not trustworthy right now. I don't know what has happened to him over the last month, but he looks like Jared Goff. Even with all the turnovers, the Rams have been able to prevail against Minnesota, who couldn't take advantage of the Stafford interceptions, and Baltimore, who is just so undermanned at this point that even though I thought Baltimore played a pretty darn good game, they just didn't have enough horses in the stable in the end in order to beat the Rams. So the Rams come at number eight. If the Rams lose this week to San Francisco and lose the division, they are going to be a team that I would probably put outside the top 10 for these power rankings going into the postseason. Buffalo at number nine. Look, I still don't fully trust Buffalo. And the one one weird thing that has happened with this team this year that you wouldn't expect because of the way Josh Allen plays, in games with inclement weather, Josh Allen has played really poorly. Of course, the high-documented game on Monday night against New England, I don't think there's a quarterback in the league that would have played well in that game. But in the snow and not the best weather against Atlanta, who is a pretty mediocre defense, Josh Allen did not play well on Sunday. Completed under 50% of his passes through multiple interceptions. Was great with his legs, but that, that concerns me, that he has not played well in inclement weather, especially at home this year. They're going to get a home game, assuming they beat the Jets in Week 18 with New England, who obviously we saw beat them in Western New York a few weeks ago on Monday night. And then Arizona slides into number 10 just ahead of New England. 
just because I think the way the Patriots are built, I don't like them to go on the road and win three playoff games. I don't think Arizona is capable of winning three playoff games on the road. But the one thing they do have is an elite quarterback. Even though Murray has had his issues over the last few weeks until this win in Dallas, if Kyler Murray is healthy, and we've seen it earlier this year, they're capable of going on the road and beating anyone. And that defense still has not quite gotten the respect that it deserves, even with being at number one in our power rankings for a good chunk of the year with that great start to the season. So Green Bay 1, Tampa 2, Kansas City 3, Tennessee 4, Indy 5, Cincy 6, Dallas 7, L.A. Rams 8, Buffalo 9, and Arizona number 10. Those are the power rankings heading into week 18. It's going to be fascinating to see how these change, if at all, heading in to the NFL's postseason. Again, one week to go, a squirrely week 18 coming your way, and we'll have a full breakdown in a little bit. But coming up next, Kyrie Irving expected to make his return. How big is the impact going to be right away? We have Alex Schiffer who covers the Brooklyn Nets for The Athletic, joining us next from Indianapolis covering that game. That's next here on A Numbers Game on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
numbers game with Gil Alexander on VSIN, the sports betting network. BetMGM welcomes you with a special offer in the NBA. Simply place a $10 money line wager on any game, and if either team hits a three pointer, you'll win $200 in free bets, regardless of your bet's outcome. Just use the bonus code VSIN200 when you make your first bet. Plus, you'll earn M Life rewards that can be redeemed for rooms and dining at any MGM resort. BetMGM is a pr- is proud to be an authorized gaming partner of the NBA. Download the app or go to betmgm.com and use bonus code VSIN200. Again, that's VSIN200 to win $200 in free bets if the three pointer is made in the game you are wagering on. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. It's a new customer offer only. Free bets expire seven days after issuance. Please gamble responsibly. And, of course, the promotional offer not available in Mississippi or Nevada. It is a numbers game here on VSIN. I'm Jeff Parles in for Gil Alexander. And now with us, he covers the Brooklyn Nets for the Athletic. He's in Indianapolis right now. It is Alex Schiffer. And, Alex, let's just dive right in. The big news in this one, obviously, Kyrie Irving expected to make his season debut. Of course, we know the whole odyssey with the refusal to get vaccinated and uh, the rule that you have to be vaccinated in order to play as a home player in New York right now. So we get to see Kyrie on the road tonight in Indianapolis. And what do you think the immediate impact is going to be of him being back? And then, of course, the long-term impact of Irving being back in play. Yeah, you know, I I think for starters, he'll be able to probably give Kevin Durant and James Harden, both of whom are, you know, top 10 in the NBA minutes per game, a bit of a break. I don't think we're going to see anything immediate tonight just because, I mean, to be quite frank, the Pacers are very bad. Uh, they've lost five in a row. They're coming off a back-to-back. Tonight's a back-to-back for them after playing the Knicks last night. So I don't think today is, uh, there's going to be a ton of takeaway from today. I think it's going to be more as this continues. You know, the, the Nets have the Pacers today. Then they have the Bucks back home on Friday without Kyrie. Then they have the Bulls and Blazers on the road next week. And then really, to me, that's when we start to really see the long-term effects because they are very road-heavy from – next week through early February. So he's going to be pretty regularly with them until the all-star break. So I, I, I think early on it's going to be, they're going to, they, they should blow the paces outside and maybe give Kevin and James a break. But I, I don't think we're going to be able to talk long-term until, you know, another week or two, probably. Well, and well, just looking early at the long-term though, Alex, just, okay, this is nice for the regular season. This is nice to rack up wins, but we're talking about a team that's the betting favorite to win the NBA championship still, the team that's the clear short shot to win the Eastern Conference. But if you're getting home court advantage in the NBA playoffs, how are you How are you making this work without this being just either a ginormous distraction or, in the end, a seven-game series with the seventh game against Milwaukee and Brooklyn and Kyrie can't play? If, it, if that's still the case, that, that doesn't really help anyone then. Yeah, it's it's you know they they claim to have not made a a decision on him in the playoffs. Uh, are you a Star Trek fan, Chef? We've never talked about this in all of our years of friendship. <laughs> I uh, I no, I, the, uh, the 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 fan allegiance isn't in play here. Okay, well, well, to quote Bones from one of the Chris Pine movies, if you're going to ride in the Kentucky Derby, you don't leave your prize dying in the stable. I don't see how they would have brought him back without incorporating him for the playoffs. Just given given all that. Um, and as you said, you know, another, another pop culture reference to me, it's almost like, do you do a, a George Costanza do the opposite of what you used to do in that? Like, 
if you're a team with home court advantage against the Nets, if the Nets were in a lower seed, do you try to wrap it up at the Nets' place instead of, you know, um, instead of having comfort going back home for a deciding game when they get Kyrie back? You know, as you said in our pre-show chat, everything's kind of flips. I, I don't know if a firm decision has been made, but I just have a hard time seeing them bring him back in any capacity and then not include him in the biggest run of the season. But we have nothing to go with this really. I mean, the, the last time a player did this, silly blank on the name, was 60 years ago for the Chicago Zephyrs as he finished up his, uh, I think it was Terry Changers, how you say his name, Indiana native, coincidentally. Uh, and he was finishing an engineering degree at, at Purdue. Like, we have nothing to go with of how this is going to look. No, I, 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 Alex, I think the uh, I think the last time we even saw anything remotely like this on top of what you said, uh, Bill Walden tried to go into law school when he was playing for the Clippers in the early 80s. So uh, it just really unprecedented times with what the Nets are attempting to do with Kyrie. And, and, and Alex, just looking at the Eastern Conference as a whole, like you look at the way that it sets up, the Nets probably could, if we're looking long-term, could probably win a playoff series against basically everyone in the Eastern Conference except, except for Milwaukee and possibly Miami. So, uh, look, uh, e- even though this still doesn't, to me, personally, doesn't make sense, I at least understand why the Nets are at least attempting this at first. Yeah, I mean, they haven't beaten a top-four seed in either conference this year. You know, mm-hmm. they, they've lost to Memphis. You know, you just mentioned all the guys in the East. You know, the Bulls have also beat them this year. You know, I, I'm, I'm a little, uh, I'm, I'm standing by my good friend uh, Nick Fidelo of ESPN, who, uh, who's, I'm, I'm gonna keep my bull stakes to myself just because he, he has extensive knowledge, and I don't, I don't need my balls busted. But, um, you know, as you said, I think any one of those teams they can beat or can be beaten by, and, uh, and the, the question is, is as you said, you know. I think this should help them long term with, with getting the rest and everything for the playoffs. But the idea of incorporating him in and out of a series just sounds like more of a headache than than we've ever seen, than than this, you know than it's worth it. But but Grant, if they can win a title through all this, you know this is the Nets we're talking about. As two New Jersey natives, man, they haven't had a lot going for them historically. So I, I don't know what the answer is, but you know, the, to me the the, the Common question in the in the next few weeks is: Do they win the games they should with him, and do they? How do they fare immediately without him? Is there any resentment if they were to lose to Milwaukee on Friday that they could have had him for that too? I don't know. They 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 would have already had resentment. You'd think right of, of him being gone all season, but is it does it change now that he's back in some capacity? I don't know. That's why this, this is Pandora's box in just so many ways. Alex Schiffer with us right now here on a numbers game. Of course, he covers the Brooklyn Nets for the athletic out of NYC. Get him on the tweets at Alex underscore Schiffer as well. Uh, just looking at the league as a whole here, of course, Brooklyn and the Warriors are the two top teams betting-wise, and they've been, Golden State at least, has been the top team in the NBA for the most part this year. You've seen all most of these teams in person so far this year. If you're looking at this down the road, who are you looking to possibly put a play in uh, to win an NBA title, to win a conference at this point? Um, I will have a better idea of this next week, assuming he plays. But to me, if Clay Thompson is just 70% of what he used to be, the Warriors can win the whole thing. And that doesn't even factor in the James Wiseman impact. Um, I, uh, I just think that they are deep. They are locked in. And 
with the way Steph's playing, with the way Draymond's defending, and then if you could throw in, um, if you could throw in a healthy Clay Thompson, and I mean, if he returns to full strength, holy cow! But if he's even just enough for them, I think that could be the difference. Are the Lakers done? Um, I would lean more on the yes side and the no side. I mean, you know, they they have limited ways to upgrade the roster, um, given they traded all their picks and all their young guys, mainly for Anthony Davis. You know, they still have a couple guys that maybe can get to them some kind of return, but I don't know. I mean, I just I think that Westbrook experiment hasn't really worked. You know, there, there's no other bad $40 million contracts for them to swap with and maybe get something out of for him. So... I don't, I don't know what the answer is for them, but I just, given the Warriors are getting Clay back, and then you look at the way Phoenix is playing and, and some of these other teams, I, I have a hard time seeing them get high enough to, to make a difference when it comes to the seeding and, and matchup-wise and everything. He's Alex Schiffer. You can get him on the tweet. says Alex underscore Schiffer. you find his work in the Athletic. He's covering the Brooklyn Nets on a daily basis. Their beat writer for the Athletic. Alex, thank you for being with us this morning. Enjoy, uh, enjoy Indianapolis in the cold, there, buddy. Yes, I left my uh, my winter hat in my hotel room on the walk to the arena for shoot around, so I uh, I'm already regretting that. <laughs> Thanks for being with us this morning, uh, Alex, uh, and we'll uh, talk to you soon. Uh, there, there's some quick uh, COVID news that I want to bring up here before we uh, flip over to our guy Jason Weingarten. Uh, Joe Mixon tested positive for the Cincinnati Bengals. He is now a collection of seven Bengal players, which includes Trey Hendrickson, their star defensive end. Uh, So the Bengals, who, of course, already wrapped up the AFC North, play Cleveland this week. Uh, The number currently on that game is off the board at most shops. It was Bengals' two-and-a-half-point favorites before this news broke. So it'll be interesting to see where that reopens uh, the Bengals, of course, they need a win to hold on to the three seed. If they lose, they would likely fall to the four seed with Buffalo being a 16.5-point favorite against the Jets this weekend at home If since he gets to four New England, the most likely opponent for them in the wild card game. Coming up next, though, Jason Weingarten has some thoughts on the NFL Coach of the Year market. Jason Weingarten may be a little vindicated with his take a few weeks ago on Zach Taylor and Bill Belichick. Jason Weingarten with us next on the Numbers Game on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. BetMGM welcome. BetMGM welcome. BetMGM welcome. Bet. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleha Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.